like a pantomime now, actually, but uh, it's really great to see you all here uh, today. And uh, I'm sorry for these people on the side with this pillar that's blocking uh, the view of, uh, of me, but I hope that you can uh, at least catch a glimpse and see me and hear, certainly hear what I have to say. Uh, just a few things to say before we open the Bible together. We, we, we value the Bible, we love the Bible, and so we'll be uh, sharing together from it in a few moments. But just to mention, last week we prayed for Phil, who's in Uganda, and um, we just need to continue to pray for him and bring him before the Lord. He's out there uh, sharing in a number of different contexts, particularly in the area of teaching and preaching, which is where his strong uh, gifting lies and uh, I'm sure that God will be with him. Next week, just to give you a heads up, we were not just Jeff Pickup, but we will be um, uh, taking communion next week uh, together. It'll be our first uh, time that we do that as Arena Church in Mansfield, and we'll be breaking bread together. And also, we'll be make, uh, taking our mercy offering. That means to say that every month we have our normal general offering, and then once a month, we take a mercy offering, which is addition to the general offering, and we give that money away. We just give it away to a particular need or context, and we'll give further information about that next week. And just to reiterate what Christine said, great announcements. Please, let's bring people uh, next week. Jeff is great, but in these coming days, uh, we really wanted to see Arena Church uh, build and grow and increase, and uh, we recognize that you know we can only do certain parts and then we have to leave the rest to God but we can't just expect God to do everything can we we've got to play our part by praying by inviting by bringing and then we have to leave the rest to God God is the savior God is the person who saves people touches people but we need to play our part in that so please take some of the invitations and bring people along particularly if you're Mansfield based bring some of your friends and your family and your colleagues I'm sure we're gonna have a really great time in the next few weeks if you've got a Bible Please turn with me to Exodus in chapter 14. Exodus in chapter 14. I want to talk about here comes trouble. Have you ever had that said of you? Oh brother, here comes trouble. Here comes trouble. Just while you're turning in your, in your pages, uh, I was just reflecting on a story, and trouble is packaged in a variety of different, different ways, but in a moment we're going to read about a potential collision, a potential collision. Now, if you've ever had the unfortunate um, event happen in your life where you've been involved in a collision in a vehicle, you know it's not a nice, it's not a nice experience, it's not a nice thing to happen to you. I was, um, I guess a couple of months ago, just coming out of an, a block of offices in, in Derby, just getting into my car and just setting off, and it was almost like it was a slow motion thing that happened, but I saw this motorbike go across me, and another car come, he obviously didn't see the motorbike, and it was a head-on collision. He took the motorbike rider straight off his bike. It was unbelievable. And it was one of those moments, I don't know whether you've ever been in a collision or whether you've seen a collision, but it almost feels like it's slow-mo. There's slow motion. You just can see this thing begin to unfold before your eyes. The story of this particular motorbike rider, thanks be to God, he literally got up from his feet, brushed himself down, and he was fine. It was quite incredible, this 
big Ford Mondeo estate, smack him head on, but he was absolutely fine. So I felt well able to be able to go off. I thought, well, I don't need to give this man the kiss of life <laughs> or the kiss of death, okay, as the case may be. But we've all seen collisions and we've all, some of us may have experienced collisions. But in Exodus 14, we see Moses and the children of Israel potentially in the, in the, um, the story where they are just about to have a collision. And it's not going to be a pretty collision because it was with Pharaoh. He was the most powerful leader of the day and he was seriously ticked off with the children of Israel. Let's read it together, shall we? In verse 5, he says, It was told the king of Egypt that the Pharaoh had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, What is this we have done? We have let Israel go from serving us. And he made ready his chariots and took his army and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord had made hard and strong the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites, for they lay proudly and defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and over and overtook them and encamped at the Red Sea in front of Baal Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked up, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and the Israelites were exceedingly frightened. And they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt? That you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you treated us this way and brought us out of Egypt? Did we not tell you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Verse 13. Moses told the people, fear not. Stand still, firm, confident, and undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. The story, as I've said, is that the, Egypt, the, the Israelites with Moses have just come out of Egypt. Pharaoh have now realized what's happened. They've gone. And they're now in a place where they can see the Egyptians approaching them. There's potentially a head-on collision. Now you may say, Christian, what context does this got to do with me in my life at this moment? Just bear with me. Just for a few moments. Because I believe there are some things that we can apply to our lives from this story that will help us when we are facing trouble. Because here comes trouble. And there was something that Moses encouraged the people to do because what they were tempted to do was to go back. They wanted to go back to where they came from. 
because we automatically feel and think that things are better back there than they were, than they are now, because trouble is coming upon us. But I want to say, remember what happened when you was back. Some of you are facing incredible challenges as Christian people, and you think, I may as well not follow God now, I may as well go back to how I was. I want to tell you, to encourage you to remind yourself what it was like when you were not a Christian. Can you remember what it was like? How difficult, how awful, the sin that you felt, the guilt that you, you felt, the awfulness of what you felt. Remember those days. Because we automatically think it's going to be better back, wherever that may be. Are you hearing me this, this day? And so we need to be people, when we're faced with trouble, when we're faced with a head-on collision, we may be tempted to run, to hide, to quake. But what do we need to do when trouble approaches? We need to stand still. I'll come on to that in a moment. The Bible says in Psalm 46 and verse 10, if you don't know this, be still and know, recognize and understand that I am God. I want to say over Arena Church Mansfield, there may be trouble that comes your way, but I want to encourage you to know and to stand and to be still that God is with you. Be still and know this day that God is your God. Be still in the knowledge of God. We'll come on to a moment, that last particular verse in verse 13. But there are a number of things in this being still and standing still and stopping that I feel we need to pick up on. Because Moses encouraged them to stand still. In other words, he was saying, stop. A couple of weeks ago, at Ilkeston, we had a man who came across and used Acts chapter 3 as his basis for his message. And he spoke about three miracles from Acts chapter 3. Can you remember those who were there? And the first one, the miracle of stopping. Because Peter and John stopped as they saw the man going to the temple. They, he, they stopped, and that was the first miracle. And he were encouraged to stand still and to stop. And there are three things that I believe we can apply from this story to our lives. Are you ready? Number one, these people needed to stop complaining. They needed to stop complaining. How do I know that? Well, let's look at it again, shall we, from verse 11. They were all happy when they felt they were getting out of Egypt, but now they saw trouble coming. They started to say, Moses, it's because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out, and we're going to end up dying in the wilderness. It's all your fault. You brought us out of here, and it's all your fault. Selah. Let's pause, shall we, shall we, for a moment? Because we're all prone to moan. We're all prone to moan. We're all prone to complain. The terrible tragedy of our complaining is that it's absolutely, it's nonsense. We complain about the weather. We complain about the restaurant, the food not coming out on time. We, we complain about the bus not being on time. We complain about a million and one different things that actually 
have no consequence and actually we need to be ashamed of our complaining. We need to be ashamed of our complaining. But these people needed to stop complaining. Stop complaining. Do we have any complainers here? Well, nobody's going to own up for it now, are you, after what I've just said there? Let's face it, we're all prone to moan and groan. And I'm one of the worst ones at times if I, oh, I, I can really have a right good moan, Terry. I really can, just moaning and groaning at times. And we need to stop complaining. These people were complaining. We need to stop complaining, but we need to start praising. We need to start praising. So stop complaining, start praising. Well, Christian, you don't know my circumstances. I can see people getting offended now. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's happening in my life. Lady, gentlemen, you're absolutely right, I don't. But the answer is not complaining. The answer is found in praising. As you begin to praise, praise God, something begins to happen. Has anybody ever come to a meeting? You might be here tonight and you thought, I didn't really want to come to this meeting. I mean, let's face it, my football team, Liverpool, have just taken a beating by our arch rivals, Manchester United. Eddie, be quiet in Jesus' name. Now, I mean, do I feel like complaining? I had a moan to Kev as he came in. My complaint was, well, man, you have spent more money than Liverpool. They spent 32 million on Berbatov. They spent 30 million on Rooney, and I was going off, and no, my answer is not complaining. My answer is to praise God. It may be something really serious, though, that something happening in your life, and you think, Christian, come on, get real now. You're telling me that I have to praise when things aren't great? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When things aren't great, when you don't feel like it, when you have every reason to moan, and complain, and be downcast, we need to be people that pick ourselves up and say, with God's help, I'm going to begin to praise the Lord. Sometimes the last place I want to be is in church. The last thing I want to do is open my Bible. The last thing I want to do is pray. But it's the first thing that I must do if I want to break through. Are you hearing me? And these people, they were just complaining. We need to stop complaining, and start praising. Acts chapter 16, I'll move quickly from there here now, but we see a situation there. Just put it, if you're taking notes, you see two guys have been thrashed, beat up. They've done nothing wrong other than just proclaim the gospel. And they got beat up. And they were put in a prison cell that was wet, damp, and not particularly nice. And about midnight, the Bible records... They weren't moaning and groaning. And let me be clear, it wasn't because they were super spiritual. It's because they understood the principle that complaining was not going to change the situation. There was only one thing that was going to change this situation. It wasn't complaining. It wasn't moaning. The only thing that was going to change this situation was praising. And as a result of them praising, God intervened. He broke open the prison doors. The chains fell off and they were released. And I want to encourage you and building a platform for Arena Church that as we come, you might not feel like it. There's going to be cold weather that's on its way. You may say, well, it's cold now. It's going to get colder. It's going to get wetter. 
It's going to get darker by four o'clock. I'm just going to put doom and gloom on you now. The nights are going to draw in. There's going to be that smell in the air, that mist in the air. There's going to be fires because bonfire night is approaching. And you're going to think, I've got every reason to stay at home because I don't feel like praising God and going to Arena Church. I want to encourage you to say, I'm not going to moan and groan. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to praise the Lord. Because as we come together and praise his name, things begin to happen. What else was wrong with them? Well, there was another thing. They need to stop worrying. Verse 12. They said, did we not tell you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And he says in verse 10, that when they saw the Egyptians marching after them, they were exceedingly frightened. Listen, we need to stop worrying. And we need to start believing. We need to stop worrying and start believing. Any worriers here tonight? You don't have to own up. Just looking around the room, I can see there's a few of you actually. Just the mere mention of the word worry. You just worry us. You worry about everything and anything. And then somebody says, do you stop worrying? And that makes you worry even more because somebody's realized that you're a worrier. These people were worrying. What God wanted them to do is start believing. Jesus encouraged the disciples on many occasions to not worry. One of my favorite verses, I've got many favorite verses in the Bible, but one of a favorite chunk of scripture is found in Matthew in chapter 6, where Jesus said, look, stop worrying. Stop worrying about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat and where you're going to go. I've got it all covered. I've got it all covered. Who do you think? Who do you think clothes the fields? Who do you think looks after the birds? Who do you think looks after? I do. And don't you think I can take care of you? But seek me first. My kingdom, my righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. The reality is, trouble comes to all of our lives. Can we just take it down slightly? Trouble comes to all of our lives. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But he then goes on to say, but don't worry, because I've overcome all the troubles of the world. We need to stop worrying and start believing. If only these people here would have stopped worrying, stopped complaining, started praising, and started believing, they would have truly seen what God had for them. But what else do I find here? Not only were they complaining, not only were they worrying, but this is a really important one. Listen to me. They need to stop trying. Stop trying. Stop trying. You see, they were trying to work out the details. They were trying to say, well, God, why have you brought us out of this? Because we're going to die in the wilderness anyway. And they were trying to work every kind of detail. I don't know whether anybody was here, and there were a number of you, for the launch. And I spoke about how the, the dream, the woman with the boy... And I said about how the, the dream, and my last point is, you've just got to 
leave God with the detail. And this was the problem here. And I really sense it in my heart. Three weeks on, some of us are thinking already with Arena Church, well, how's this going to work out? How's this going to pan out? What's going to happen here? And you're trying to work out the detail. Just stop trying. Just start Step, you know, start trusting. Just leave God with the detail of this stuff. Are you hearing me? Some of you in your life, you're just working things through and you're thinking, well, A plus B equals C. And you're trying to, if I do this, then this will happen. And if I try this and do this and save here and do here, then this will happen. And you're trying to just work it all through. I'm not saying just be careless and have no plan. Not at all. But sometimes you're trying to plan more than God. Know this, that he is the Alpha and he's the Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. He understands everything in between. Stop trying to work out all the details. Stop trying. Start resting. Start resting. These details that we work out, questions like, well, why and how and where and when and who? Anybody ask those kinds of questions? And we're encouraged in a business context to do that. But with God, we've just got to say, God, you said it. I'm just going to trust you for it. What a great story that these young guys have done. And it was a bit of a crazy plan when they come to see me about the Alton Castle and they said, we want to do it. My question to them was, well, how much money have you saved up? Well, we haven't really got much at all. Okay. It's a crazy plan. I love it. Let's do it. And why are we worried about the detail? If God's in it, then he will source it. If God's in it, he will provide it. If God's in it, we just need to rest in it. If God's in this, it will grow. Because all healthy things grow. They do all healthy things. I mean, look at me. I'm a prime example of such health and vitality and just growth aid it's amazing but all healthy things grow so we need to stop trying and start resting phil uses this phrase he does it with eric and i he comments about some people and he says they try to be cleverer than god don't try and be more clever than god trust god with your life He knows all the details. So we need to stop complaining, stop worrying, stop trying. We need to stop and stand still. And what happens as we begin to stop and as we begin to start some of these other things? Well, let's just look at it in conclusion. Because verse 13, it's worthy of a read again. Moses told the people after all their complaining, after all their worrying, after all their trying, he says this. Guys. This is my language now. Guys, chill out. Guys, just chill out. Take a chill pill, will you please? I ought to write the message out. I'd be great with Eugene Peterson. I'd just write in. My language would just be real A up me dog in there and just brilliant. Moses told the people, fear not. Stand still. Firm, confident, and undismayed, and you will see the salvation of your Lord, 
which he will work for you today for the Egyptians, the trouble that you have seen and have been seeing for generations, you will never see again because I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to sort them out. I'm going to blow them into smithereens. Even though you can't see it, it's going to happen. The miracle is on his way. And then he says, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. So three things as you stop, the Lord will fight for you. I felt very stern in my heart as I was just writing these notes down. There are some people who have been fighting for themselves and God says the fighting needs to stop. I'm going to fight for you, but you've got to stand still. You've got to stand still. And you've got to stop complaining and stop worrying and stop trying. And you've just got to stand still. Stand in the stillness of God. Be still and know that I am God and you will see the salvation of your God. So the Lord will fight for you. He will hold your peace. I know that there's people in this room and your heart and your mind is just churned up regularly. One of the greatest tragedies of this 21st century is that people have no peace. They have no peace. Because their lives are in turmoil. And God says, if you will stand still, then I will give you peace. You will hold your peace. And the last thing is, as you stand still, you will see the salvation of the Lord your God. I, for one, am committed to standing still, to start praising, to start resting, to start believing, to start trusting. And I want to stand still. Literally, I want to stand still. And that's very difficult for me to stand still. But to stand still. And I'm believing that with my own eyes, I'm going to see the salvation of God in so many different areas. There have been many Egyptians who have come at me, many troubles that have come at me, and I'm just believing that God is going to work those things through as I trust Him with my life. I believe that's going to happen in the life of this church. I don't know how this church is going to grow. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm really on a rhyme at the moment, grow and go. I have no idea, but I am trusting God with this church. It's his church, it's not my church, it's not your church, it's God's church. I know it's our church, but it's his church. He's the head of it. Let's trust him with the detail. Let's trust him with the leadership of it. And as we trust him, he then gives us so much back to us and allows us to lead the church. But I'm trusting God with the church. I'm trusting God with my own personal life. There are some things that I'm trusting God for, I'm needing miracles for, we're needing breakthroughs for. And I'm saying, God, I want to see the salvation of your God. I said this to Caroline, and I mentioned it to Chris and Julie, and uh, it was a couple of weeks ago this word came to me. I woke up with it, and I just knew that God, because for me to wake up on a Saturday morning with a Bible verse, it must be God, because normally all, normally all I've got on my mind is a cup of coffee and a bacon cob. I'm just being honest, okay? I'm not that spiritual, and now I'm not even allowed the bacon cob. Because I keep getting indigestion and acid, so I'm not allowed them. Caroline made bacon cobs yesterday at home, and I had to have mushrooms on toast. What's all that about? Me flipping dad, he gets all stuck of bacon sandwiches. You put your hand down. He's getting a... And I... All I'm saying is, it must have been God. 
Because this verse came to me clearly. And I knew that God was speaking to me. And I believe it's a word for us at Arena Church as we start this great journey. That we need to just have longevity. There is going to be trouble that's going to be coming our way, guys. It's just inevitable. The devil hates what we're doing. We don't have to get all worked up about those things. But he just hates what we're doing. And we need to be people that just stand still and see the salvation of our God. That's not an excuse for laziness. But it's just we're saying, God, we trust in you with our life and with this church. I wonder if one of the guys would just jump and play for, up there and play for me. And... Um, Thanks for your attention, guys. I trust that you found that helpful and and inspirational uh, to you in your personal life. But before we we close our service, I just, again, was trying to just work through how this would go, how it would be received. And first of all, I just wanted to, as as we're going to do every single week, we're going to believe that people will come in who may not know God, maybe on a journey back to God. And we want to give invitation for people to respond to Jesus. And so in a moment, I'm going to do that. But I'm also, uh, afterwards, going to ask people to do something. And I'm going to ask them to just respond to the word this morning, uh, this, this evening. Whatever part of the word. But I'm going to ask you to, to, to stand. And in standing, you're actually saying... Christian, I'm standing and I'm stilling. I know that's not a proper grammatical word, but you understand what I mean. I'm stilling. I'm I'm just being still before God. And I'm going to stop complaining by God's help and by God's grace. I'm going to stop worrying and I'm going to stop trying and I'm going to trust you, God. So in a moment, I'm going to ask people to do that. But I wonder, first of all, if we just bow our heads... Maybe you're on a journey back to God. Maybe you've been far away from God. We often use a phrase around church of being backslidden, which just mean, basically means you once ran well with God and now you just find yourself in a position where you're no longer with Him. And I was just talking to my mom at lunchtime just about somebody. And it really touched me, actually, as she, as, as she said it. Some people actually feel they're so far gone back. They once knew God, but they're so far away that they can never come back. And that really, really saddened my heart and really challenged my heart. And if you're here tonight, you think, well, Christian, I can't come back because you just have no idea. I want to say God's grace is sufficient for you. It's sufficient for you. Come back to God. So while every eye is closed and head is bowed, if that's for you, you want to say, Christian, I want to become a Christian. I want to give my life back to God. And I just wonder if you just lift your hand where you are. And I'm going to pray. I'm not going to bring you out to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But somebody says, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just lift your hand where you are and just put it down before we move and pray for other people. Is there anybody here tonight who says, yeah, Christian, thank you. Anybody else who says, yeah, I just want to come back to God. I want to come back to Him. Or I want to give my life to Christ for the very first time. If that's you, just lift your hand where you are. And then I'll pray. Lord, we thank you for this lady who's made a response to you. Whatever, whatever has been going on on her journey of faith, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch this lady. That you give her that assurance that she's loved by you. And that you care for her very deeply. 
I pray, Lord, that all the stuff that may be in our heart and in our mind and in our life will dissolve. I pray that your love would capture her again. She'd be captivated by the love of Christ. And Lord, that she would love you with all of her heart, soul, mind and strength. Pray, Lord, that you'd fill her with the Holy Spirit. You'd seal this decision that she's made tonight. We ask it, Father, in your name. And just while every eye is closed and head is bowed, you say, yeah, Christian, I need to respond. It's not you responding to salvation, but I have been worrying. I have been complaining. I'm not going to ask you what you're standing for. But you say, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Christian. I'm standing to my feet. I'm going to stand still, believing that I'm going to see the salvation of my God. Stand to your feet now, if you would. Just stand to your feet now. Say, yeah, I'm believing. I'm going to believe for the salvation of my God. I'm standing. I'm not going to complain. And it may be that you've been complaining a bit too much. And even now as you stood, you may say, God, I'm sorry for my complaining. May I be a person that praises. It may be that you're there in, in worry. Stop worrying. Start believing. So, Father, all across this congregation, I thank you, Lord, for people that are being obedient to you and are responding to the word of God. And if you're stood to your feet, you just add amen to my prayer and just respond to the prayer. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would just seal these decisions that are being made here tonight. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, you'd, that, that, that as people have stood to their feet, that things that have been bothering them, hurting them, that have been distracting them, would be no longer, and they would be a people that are praising, that are resting, that are believing, that are trusting. And Lord, as we stand to our feet, we're believing, Lord, for the salvation of our God. We're believing, Lord, for the peace of God. We're believing, Lord, for even with our eyes, we're going to see wonderful, amazing things taking place in and through our lives. Believe, Lord, there's people here who have been hurting by many things for many years. And as you're stood to your feet now, I just want to encourage you, if that's you tonight, you've been hurting about things for many years, many years, and it's in your mind, many years, I just want to encourage you where you are, just to lift your hands to the Lord. And I'm going to pray in particular for you tonight that God's going to just break through in your life in quite an incredible way. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, for people who have been hurting for years. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as they are stood to their feet, that those hurts would dissolve and be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, may the healing oil of God come to people's lives and hearts in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that in these coming days, literal days and weeks, they would, we would hear testimony and stories of your salvation in people's lives. Lord, that we would hear stories of peace coming again to people's lives. Now, Lord, I announce peace over all the congregation. Whatever is troubling us, may peace rule and reign in our hearts. And Father, as we close, we just pray. We commit ourselves to keeping the robber, the thief, the murderer at the door. He's not an occupant of this house. And Lord, so we, we together agree that we will love one another. We will encourage one another. We'll inspire one another. Where there are things that we need to put right, we'll do that quickly and rightly and with grace and with love. 
And Lord, we just pray that you would build your church here to the praise and glory of your name. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, why don't you say an amen, an amen. Please.